0: Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com
1: and make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. Is that we can't achieve great things, you know, by doing the same the same things. I, I'll sh- share this. Uh, this, this quote with Einstein, he says, "You cannot solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. right And so um, you know, essentially something has to change. And, and more so when we want things to change within our own lives is that it's us that, that where that change began.. Welcome to the Shark Effect.
0: I'm your host Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life. From current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. My guest this week on the Shark Effect is Jordan Babineau. Now, Jordan played nine years in the NFL, but he went about it in a totally different way. Like, he wasn't drafted. He didn't go to a big Division I school. Actually, he went to a Division II school, and he was an undrafted free agent. But yet, he was able to play for nine years in the NFL. Now, that's, that's rare to play that long, but to enter in being from a small Division II school and to survive and thrive for nine years, that's pretty amazing. He played seven years with the Seattle Seahawks and two years with the Tennessee Titans. Um, he went through a, a phase when he retired from the NFL where he felt like his identity was lost, and he faced some, you know, some pivots that he had to make in his life. The challenges of change were evident, but through courageous acts and fierce determination, Jordan was able to avoid many pitfalls that many professional athletes face in transition. And so he's going to share a little bit about his story. Um, He's an author. He wrote a book, Pivot to Win. Uh, It's a a bestseller. Jordan also is a mindset coach and, and a speaker. So I can't wait for you guys to have a listen to our conversation. Here we go. Jordan man how you doing but first off before you answer that man thank you for being a guest on the on uh the shark effect um I'm excited about our conversation we've had a um, couple of conversations in the past and it's been like eye-opening it's been really um you know just, just just really good conversations and and learning about you and what you're doing and how you're affecting people especially with your you know with your new book you know which we're going to talk about but um I just want to say, Matt, Matt, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, some of my listeners might not know. I don't know why, but uh, I want you to kind of open up, Matt, where you from and what you're doing now.
1: Yeah. Hey, Alex, thanks for having me. I uh, look forward to, uh, you know, jumping into the, our, our dialogue today and 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 hopefully being able to add value to uh, your listeners and your audience. Um Incredible! I'm just a, a few miles away, nestled up here in Seattle, and you're down in Portland. So I feel like, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a pretty close conversation. That um, maybe I should jump in a car and come on down to, to Oregon, and we can, you know, we we'll meet halfway. Time. How
0: about that? Yeah. <laughs> we we'll meet you halfway. Know,
1: <laughs> you know, back back in the days when we used to meet people in person. Right now, now everything yeah. is online and virtual and digital. But uh, but grateful to be here. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess to, to answer your question, I mean, most listeners won't know who I am. And, um, you know, oftentimes, as I think one of the things as, you know, having been in the spotlight for so long and played professional sports for nearly a decade in the NFL um, I, I still kind of have that conversation is it's it's like when i go into places and people don't know who i am i present myself as jordan the individual the, the 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 black man that's that's 38 years old and here to meet people like people and treat them like people uh rather than having this you know perceived idea of um you know a superstar walking in and then people kind of give you this this false element of, of who they're not right and and so i like i like to to kind of have that you know, that authentic conversation with people, particularly when they don't know who I am. So I never introduce myself as, you know, hey, I'm Jordan Babineau, the former football player. Why don't you know who I am? So right. anyway, to, to me, it's, it's a great barometer of where the conversation goes and tells me a lot about the person. So <laughs> I kind of yeah. use that. Yeah, I love that. I, I, well, I use, it, I use it sometimes as a, um, just, just a real true measure of, of identifying the person or, or, or who they are. So uh, again i just like to to tell people treat people like people man you know and uh, and that goes a long way sometimes
0: that's hard to do man sometimes <laughs> you know for people for some people that that's hard to do they, they they look at the uh you know the platform that you have or that you maybe had and then the first thing is like how can they use that to benefit them
1: right yeah and and i would and i would say look and uh, I'm, I'm just like any other person in, you know, in, in the world right now who's, you know, had struggled and had to uh, adjust the routine during COVID and had, um, you know, who look for warm meals and put on clothes and, and have, you know, relationship issues in terms of establishing and building strong relationships that, um, you know, can add value to other people and find ways to contribute and give back to the community. And. Look, I have normal problems. You know, I mean, we're normal people. And that's that was one of the things too. Uh and, and sorry to go on this long-winded conversation. I know people want to know no, about my good. upbringing <laughs> and, and where I'm from. Uh, but but I used to I used to feel like that. And many, many players used to feel like that in the locker room, right? It's, it's that the one thing that we had in common is that we all had relationship challenges. I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, intimate and spouse or or girl, you know, girlfriend problems. I'm just saying like building strong relationships in general um, you know, be it with your family or be it with the community or even with, you know, your coworkers, uh, job security, you know, that was another thing that, that was also, uh, one of the high elements that I felt like, you know, like, I feel like I'm going through this on my own, but I got my teammate right next to me who still have the same problems. And then the other one was finance, you know, it's like, man, look, man, we all got the same problems. We're soldiers of the same struggle in terms of relationships, finance, and job security. So, uh, anyway, that makes me normal. (laughs) there you go (laughs) I love it so uh yeah quickly I, I so I grew up in Port Arthur Texas and and those who don't know it's about 90 miles east of Houston and um you know home to a lot of professional athletes you know far before myself you know my brother played 12 years with the Atlanta Falcons before that um you know Hall of Fame coach Jimmy Johnson is from Port Arthur Tim Micaiah uh, the cornerback is from Port Arthur with Jamal Charles from Port Arthur, you know, Eric Alexander, I mean, Landon Roberts. I mean, there's a number of, you know, uh, Bobby Leopold, uh, Joe Washington, you know, all of these names who have, you know, um, come up through, uh, you know, the area and, and in most cases, the high school, Port Arthur Lincoln that I went to. Um, was foundational for me, I think, as an early child to envision what was possible. And I think and I say that because, you know, in our in our circumstances or wherever we are in our lives, we feel like we're stuck or we at this place where there is no way that we can get out. And as a as a kid growing up, you know, in economic ruins and we're on government assistance and drug abuse surrounded by projects, you know, the streets really seem like a faster way to make money, you know? And, you know, many black kids and, uh, you know, professional athletes now who grew up, you know, in similar environments, you know, made it out. And I would say the reason, and part of the reason in envisioning, you know, that ability to escape my circumstances um, was the idea to believe that uh, one, that things were possible and finding out how to you know, closely navigate the street life, uh, versus what really mattered, which was education and using sports as an outlet. And, um, and so I share that story quite a bit. Um, and and in my new book, pivot to win, I go on to talk about, you know, the, the big pivot that I had at an early age. And that was the loss of my dad at the age of eight years old. And my mom, I watched, um, you know, struggle and, and and raise, you know, five kids, each of us to graduate high school, each of us to graduate college. And as I mentioned, my brother played 12 years in the NFL. So that's, you know, it wasn't no silver spoon or picket fence where I grew up, man, uh, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of that upbringing of resilience and adverse, facing adversities and persisting to achieve uh, has really developed and um, cultivated into, a winning mindset that I've been able to apply in life. Mm. So, so when your dad passed away, I know that was a
0: tough, you know, a, a, a tough moment in your life. What were some of the some of the uh, tools that that he kind of
1: gave you to help you become the person you are today? You know, oddly, um, you know, at that age, you know, when when you're dealing with death, it's like, oh, the only thing that I know about death is that I know that the person isn't coming back. Right. And there wasn't a real, I guess, emotional or I guess that was the only practical understanding of life, you know, that early. Um, and, And the emotional side of it, you know, was something that I, you know, really, I would say calloused. Um, you know, I, I don't I didn't have you know early memories of, you know, my father instilling certain behaviors or or um, um, habits in me at, at that early age. What I do remember is, you know, mom facing that biggest pivot of her life uh, and and essentially, you know, taking ownership. I mean, here she I mean, 30 years, um, you know, she kept the family together and have endured. Uh, the struggles uh, and the pains and of overcoming and fighting for us to have, you know, opportunity, uh, and and so most of most of the, um, you know, those those things that are instilled in me, uh, you know, valuing education, uh, the ability the ability to to recognize opportunity, uh, helping other people, and um, and and a, and a sense of spirituality. Uh, grounded in the foundation and mom built.
0: Mm, yeah, that's what, that was going to be my next question. Is like, man, the, the values that, that there was instilled in you, was that something that, you know, that, that stayed with you? Did you have other relationships like with your brothers or sisters or, or, you know, the cats in the neighborhood, did they try to um, steer you one way, but your values kept you, on a straight and narrow. Well or did, you, look, or did you like, man, you, you know, there was a time of like me, there was a time where I was like, I was, even though I was taught values and whatnot, man, this the streets got a hold of me. You know, right. my, my boys hang, you know, hanging out with the fellas and doing stuff that I should I should not have been doing. Mm-hmm. But um, I end up having that moment, that uh, you know, look in the mirror moment where it's like this is not the I, I see where this can go. And I don't want to go down this road.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You see if you
0: had that too,
1: no, you know what? I, I, if anyone who knows me and knows where I'm from, they listen to me and tell you something that uh, that I was straight and narrow as a as a as a child when you know would would be on the telephone calling me now, <laughs> telling me how much of a liar.
0: Stop lying. I am.
1: Man, please. Look, we was in the streets, Alex. We were doing the reckless things that, you know, young teens and kids, um, you know, get in trouble for. And, um, you know, fortunate enough that um, growing up that, you know, I had two things that really kind of, you know, I guess kept me guided. Uh, Number one, um, you know, thankful for praying mom, you know, watching over, uh, you know her kids and fools doing uh mischievous and 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 really ignorant things you know whether it's um you know throwing uh you know rocks and 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 eggs at, at passing cars to <laughs> behavior in school um now i'll tell you my my story about school it it, it goes i share this story in the book pivot to win is that um and I, and i use this in the element that We as people, no matter where we are in our lives professionally or where we want to improve in our life. Right. So, you know, our our spiritual life, our our business, um, our relationships, our finance, um, you know, our contribution to the community uh, is that we need an accountability group. Right. We need surround ourselves with people who are, you know, similar mind, like mind and uh, even at the level that we're trying to go. Right. And but also this, this group of people to hold us accountable to what it is that we really want and value for our own selves. When I was a child, I had um, man, I was I would go to the principal office every day, really, um, man, I was in trouble every week. You know, I used to run home and try. That's when, you know, the principal would call home and look. Alex, they used to it used to be a, a, an answering machine. I know people don't know what an answering machine is, right? I mean, you put a little tape in there and it records. You know, someone who leave a message. Right now, they got voicemail, right? So it's essentially, it was the home. It was the voicemail for a home telephone, but it was a tape. Man, I used to run home, beat mom to the house, <laughs> and, and get in there and. Try. I would go delete those messages from the principal. One day, I thought that I was being, you know, super slick and, and, and thought I could delete those messages before she got home. And um, and I think that the, I ended up, I probably ended up saving the message, not deleting the message. Well, she somehow got a hold of that message, man. And I tell you, mom was not, she was not shy of that, that rod and discipline, man. She was, she was, boy. Look, I'm, I'm telling you, man, she was tough. <laughs> Um, but, but I say that to say, no, no matter where we are in our lives, that um, we need an accountability group or accountability partner. Some people have mentors and coaches um, and, and people to help us keep us accountable for the things that we want for, in our lives, which I think now more than ever, um, as we're dealing with so much turmoil within our country, within our own lives, and of, of course, uh, you know, the effects of the pandemic, that it's essential to surround ourselves with great people.
0: Absolutely, man. I couldn't agree more with you, Um, man. Tell me, Jordan, man, what is, what is leadership in your eyes? You know, because leadership um, it's such a broad thing and I've did my own research and I kind of like use my definition of it and, uh, you know, kind of see how it applies in my life and different times in my life. Um, but I'm interested to hear, like, what is, what is leadership in your eyes?
1: That's a great question. You know, I, I think that we've seen so many elements of leadership, uh, both good and bad, um, over the last few years that, um, you know, great leaders are, um, are, are skilled. They're, they're, they're rare. And um, I think there's a, a misconception of leadership and influence Right. And the, the two, you know, have um, certainly have an intersection of where they are. But I think you and I both know, you know, great influencers, but not great leaders. Um, and we know people who who can lead well, uh, but don't have uh, great influence. Right. And and so I'll, so I'll, in leadership to me is essentially two part. Um, if I can simplify it, and then there are a lot of, there are a lot of buckets that, uh, you know, words and buckets that can fall and flow under uh, these two leading principles when we're talking about leadership. Um, One is uh, effectiveness, right? So in order to be a great leader, um, you have to be effective. And if we drill down a little bit, you know, well, how do we become effective, right? What are the things that we can do to be effective within our community, within our home, within our business, within our organization to be great leaders? and I'll just leave with this. One of them is to lead with vulnerability. You say, wow, we we look at vulnerability and talk about vulnerability as a a great asset or a skill to have. And when we talk about leadership, well, doesn't vulnerability make you weak? And, And I would, you know, before I undertook you know my teachings and discoveries on leadership and it's and of course having this alpha male mentality of coming from the football field and feeling like vulnerability no bro we it's no vulnerability yeah you're supposed
0: to be showing that you you
1: don't talk about that no man but but i but but see this and and i'll go back and maybe connect it too because even when i was dealing with the loss the early loss of my dad you know and growing up as an, an African American here in America, it's like no, we're taught not to cry. We're taught, you know, not not to express or or show emotion, right? And and even in kind of compounding that with the attitude of playing sports in general is that no, that's toughness, that's grit, you know. That those are the things that you know kind of counter or removes vulnerability or the ability to express emotion. And, and it wasn't until I enrolled in my uh, MBA program and, and, and took on this executive uh, leadership MBA program where I had to really break down and identify at the core what was holding me back, my own limiting beliefs or my own progression in my own personal development and growth path to become a better leader. And what I realized was that because of everything that I just described, I, I, I was very calloused around emotions. And not that emotions weren't there or they didn't exist. It's like I didn't deal with them in a healthy way. I just moved them to the side and and maybe kept going. And then and then I'll tell you selfishly, maybe it overstepped and and you know other people. And you know and 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 maybe there's a you know in some regards that others may have looked at me as this arrogant jerk, you know, who only has pursuit of his own ambition. Um, but, but I but but those were discoveries that I had to you know only personally stop think about and understand where it originated from and where it came from and that went all the way back until my childhood. The other mm-hmm. thing I think when we talk about great leaders is um, is uh, impact. Um, you know, in, in order to be a great leader, that we all should have one effectiveness, but two an impact and. And certainly an impact on the people that we lead and the people that we're responsible for, uh, whether we're leading a team or we're um, an entrepreneur who pursuing and having to lead uh, a business. Um, but I, but also, I, I even expound on impact to go further and talk more about what is your impact of humanity in leaving the world a better place, in contributions to you know, uh, social justices or underprivileged and underserved communities, or nonprofits in general. Like they don't even have to be underserved. Like you can have a great cause. It, it doesn't matter whether it's you know donating blood or you or, or um, you know cancer research or uh, March of Dimes or. But 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 no matter what, there there is a community of people who rely on us, whatever that organization is, the mission of the organization. You know, to provide and wrap their arms around them with resources and support and 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 this in an ear and mobility and sometimes uh, money. Right. And, and so uh, impact and effectiveness to, to me are the, the two main elements that I associate great leaders with. Mm, love it.
0: So I want to take those those two things, the impact and effectiveness. How was that show? You don't have to name names, but how was that showed in your career, in your athletic career? Because, you know, I I think of leaders, so in a a position, right? Positional leadership, that's that's one thing. And not everybody, you know, it's all over the place in terms of like people are in a position of leadership, but yet they don't know the first thing about it, but you still have to respect that position of leadership, right? But then even deeper is that relational, that relational piece. Of leadership and i'm interested i'm interested to hear the, with your two things is how did that show up in the nfl or or even in college i'm just talking about like athletics like yeah. did you have a coach that that had impact for you and then maybe a coach that that didn't and then why
1: yeah yeah um you know i think those are those are great um you know added elements of you know identifying uh someone's kind of stage of leadership, right? So you mentioned positional leadership, um, which, which can be dangerous, right? I mean, you know, people can be in a position to lead, but guiding people the wrong way, or have a very, you know, dick, you know, autocratic type of approach of leading. Or, you know, to me, to me, I'll add this element of leadership that leadership now is facilitation. You know, how do I help Bring the great, you know, great uh, other great leaders or other great people with with different talents and different backgrounds together, and provide resources and a pathway for them to thrive, in whatever that is, right? You got to get out of your own way as a leader, right? You can't be you can't be a leader uh, in a, a positional leader with this dictatorship type of attitude and approach to um, your team and get the best out of your team, right? Because you're gonna, you're gonna always get in the way, right? So, um, when when I think about some of the the coaches who who had great impact on me, um, you know, most importantly, I mean, certainly we look. I can look back through high school and and through college uh, when I was developing. You know, here I am, you know, this young man, you know, trying to understand life, even though I thought I knew it all. <laughs> um, <laughs> you too. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, no, I got it, man. Yeah, I got it, you know. Yeah. Um, didn't, didn't know very much uh, at all. Um, th- There were certainly, you know, coaches who had an effect on me then. But when I think about more recent, of, you know, this idea of now um, taking what was a hobby and fun to an opportunity to get a college education now into an opportunity to create and build for my family, for the future, and for generational wealth. Most of where I look at leadership in those elements stem from the head coaches that I had. All right. So um, when I was here in Seattle, it was Coach Hongram, Mike Holmgren, Um, And, you know, Coach Hongram couldn't have been a better leader for me at that time because he was not about the BS. You know, he was very direct. You know, there's there's no rookie hazing. Um, you know, making it in the NFL is hard enough already. I don't want to, ha- you, you shouldn't have to deal with, you know, some of the, you know, the off the field antics or things that may be happening while building, you know, the banter that, you know, happens in a locker room. Right. I mean, let's just cut the BS, like did not yeah. play that at all. Like zero, zero. I that. And, 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 and I loved it as well because now it was a like, I really got a glimpse of professionalism. And, and, you know, you hear the term of learning how to be a pro, right? Learning how to be a pro is like, well, how do you become a pro? One of the things I did was watch my watch the older veterans. So I, I say that there are also teammates that I had that I viewed as great leaders. And, you know, whether it was watching the Walter Jones or the Steve Hutchinson's and, and, and the Matt Hasselbacks of the world, you know, uh, the Bobby Taylors and and looking at these veterans of one, how they show up. You know, their preparation, um, you know, their their preparation, not just for a game, but for the day, you know, how they go about their work. What do they do to take care of their body? How do they manage all of the off the field stuff that comes along with being a professional athlete? And, you know, I learned so much. I mean, I consume so much as a sponge. Uh, I'll share this great story of when I made it into the NFL and for those who don't know I was an undrafted free agent that had a division two college football career right so here I am walking into the NFL walking into the Seahawks locker room and it's it's laid out right, so everyone has their has their individual locker. I'm finding my locker. I get to my locker, and everything is ha- is is hanging right. I mean, my socks are hanging, my jerseys hanging, my my workout shorts are hanging. I have my cleats, you know, properly spaced with you know multiple sets. I didn't have that in at Southern Arkansas. Man. I'm just going <laughs> to tell you, Alex. I didn't have that at SCU, You know, even though you know, right? So. So, you know, I, I get to my locker and I'm feeling my jersey. I'm rubbing, I'm, you know, I'm touching the jersey, the stitching. I'm seeing the name on the back of the jersey. Hell, I even smelled the jersey. I'm like, wow, this is, what, this is what it's, you know what it smells like to even be in the NFL. There was a note in my locker that said, see the equipment manager. To go get fitted for my pad. So here I am making my way to the equipment manager. And I, I I'm I'm looking at the helmets. I walk into I walk into this room and and, and I'll I'll give pe- people this element. Anyone who played Madden and you're in this create a player mode, man, they, you are in the creative <laughs> player mode. Man, you can get whatever helmet, whatever face mask, you get the cleat that you want, the socks that <laughs> you like. This is create a player in real life when you make it to the NFL. I'm on my shoulder pads. I try on my helmet. I look in the mirror. I said, ooh, woo, man. I started just, you know, getting, I started getting hype, man. I got crunk a little bit. And I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I made it to the NFL. And the equipment manager smacked me on the helmet. And he said, he said, get your head out of the clouds, rookie. The NFL stands for not for long. I was like, what? Right, so you know, here I am, had this little, had this, this let's say little high, but I was high, man, like you know, head in the clouds, and uh, talk about a reality check. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of great elements that when I think about coaches who had impact uh, on my life and becoming, you know, a a professional and 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 some of the development early in my uh, my twenties, I think about the head coaches that I had. And, um, and at the time, it didn't really resonate, um, you know, as it did now, looking back and having time to reflect on that path and that journey and the, and the lessons and great relationships that I've built in that locker room.
0: Mm, love it. So tell me something about you might have learned about leadership from a bad coach, because I know and you know, not every coach that coaches at the highest level, just like it is, there's not every manager or director at a Fortune 50 company is built on great leaders. Like yeah. I'm looking back and I remember a coach that I had a positional coach that, now he was terrible. And he coached for <laughs> it's a just long- terrible. He it was he Charles Barkley terrible? A, Charles Charles Barkley terrible. Terrible. Oh, terrible, terrible. And he, and, he, and he coached for a long time. And I remember distinctly, like this dude was my best friend when we won
1: Right, right, right.
0: <laughs> but but there was times when we won and I played terribly mm. and he was still like patting on the back. Hey, it's okay. That's it. But then when we lost, man, and I balled out, he didn't look at me. Not just slap me on the back, hey, if it's going to be okay. He did not physically look at not just me, but any of us in the secondary. So I'm interested to hear, like, you know, do you have any of those, those coaches in your background?
1: You know, no, no one comes to mind right away, but I'll share this story. It's pretty interesting that, that I think would also give perspective to, um, you know, a, a culture element as well. Right. And so, um, you know, most head coaches in the NFL are white. Right. You have a, a majority of white NFL coaches and, and the same the same uh, is true when I, when I think about the coaching staff, um, that, that I, that, um, that, that coached and led our teams. Um, but the, the reason, the reason that, that I led with that is because when one thing that we see that I see that's noticeable when I look at, and this may not be true in all regards, but this is, this is just my perspective. Um, when I look at, you know, white leaders, they, find uh other white you know uh, qualified candidates to help fill their coaching staff or their leadership team or their managing positions whatever that is right they hire people who look like them who have similar backgrounds now you talk about qualified and unqualified coaches unqualified coaches is the head coach who's white hiring his college roommate who has no football experience but somehow he's there to coach special teams and I'm and you like well and yeah. and 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 you when you know when you know it is that like when the players are similarly coaching themselves or having to give you the coaching tips or pointers uh and to the coach uh we talk about unqualified right and now what when 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 you were telling your story and 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 yes, there may have been moments where I felt like coaches who weren't qualified or leaders who weren't qualified were in the position. See, we we'll go back to positional leadership mm-hmm. who were in a position to lead. I didn't look at it in a negative way. I looked at it and viewed it in a way. Well, what can I take away from it? Right. So now no, let me now let me bring it back. OK. The cultural component that I'm speaking of is that when we see African-Americans and brothers in leadership positions. That and for whatever reason, it's it's harder to see um, a a black head coach with all black staff or with a staff in managing and leading positions. It's the reason why you don't see you know minorities on leadership teams in corporations i mean whether it's black men or black women or you know the BIPOC population in general you, you don't see that right and that's why there's a shift current shift that's happening right now in our world of getting more diversity in those seats and we're talking about leadership seats and seats that make that that have decision power it, there's a movement of it right now right and 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 it's important that we recognize that it is the diversity, uh, the, the groups and the organizations that have the most diverse culture that actually have uh, a high rate of succession of high rate of succeeding. Um, but anyway, I, but, and, and I don't know why that came to me, uh, Alice, because I wasn't really, you know, going to go there. No, and, and no, that's great, it, man. I love but I this with the diversity out. jumping in there. Well, yeah. And, and you see that, too, from a leadership standpoint where, again, like I've seen my white head coaches hire their college roommate or their high school buddy who are unqualifying for the position or for the job. It's, But I don't see that in our, in our black community. And I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. I don't see it as much. Right. Rather, what we see is more of a fight of um, amongst each other of, you know, that's more visible to, um, you know, to one person succeeding or this person getting the raise or the nod or the promotion over the other, rather than a support system that further amplifies and pushes that person to the top. Again, those are the things and perspectives that I mean. That's one of the things that stood out to me. I wanted to share that because, you know, as we're pushing toward more diversity, uh, certainly in organizations and corporations in leadership positions, not just jobs. And not just entry level positions or not just saying I have a diverse community, but I don't want to be too diverse or this department or these jobs are specifically for this group of people. No, no, I'm talking about diversity across all platforms, all levels, at at all levels of senior leadership on down uh, to uh, administrative and and positions uh, that's available within an organization. I
0: love it. I love it. Tell me a little bit about the book, man. Tell my listeners about Pivot to Win.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've so I've shared a few of the stories that's in Pivot to Win, um, and the book's right now available on Amazon. Um, just recently, uh, it hit number one uh, bestseller in uh, multiple categories in the U.S., the U.K., and Canada. So I'm super excited about that.
0: Let's go. Um,
1: and and. Uh, and um, and also, if um, if you just want more of it, or or, or just wanted to see it, you know, kind of test drive it before you buy it, um, you can go to the website pivottowin.com, uh, and there's a free chapter download uh, for you right there. So you know, much of what I talked about in my upbringing of you know, um, growing up in economic ruin, surrounded by drug abuse, uh, discrimination as a black man in America, having and dealing with and facing racism. Um, you know, cultivating a winning mindset, playing uh, you know after a Division II college football career, and making it as a free agent, an undrafted free agent in the NFL for nearly a decade. And that's
0: uh, tough. And then, <laughs> Let me tell you, that's <laughs> tough.
1: <laughs> and, and and then pivoting away from the NFL um, as one of the you know the biggest psychological challenges that many athletes athletes um, you know uh, have to navigate um, when dealing with change. Uh, all compiled into 30 years of life experiences and stories and ways that I believe the underpinning of helping other people uh, through my stories of successes and failures. Um, Ultimately the goal is to elevate other people, other companies and organizations to empower them to be the best, to be their best self. And, uh, you know, really excited about about the work that, that I was able to compile uh, over the span of nearly two years, uh, in getting this book uh, completed,
0: man, that's that's fabulous, man. Jordan, I could talk to you, man, all day, man. But I want to be respectful of your time, man. I definitely want to have you on again on the Shark Effect. Um, how can my listeners get a hold of you? You got, uh, you know, I mean, you already shared your website, but um, are you on social media?
1: Yeah, across all platforms, it's Jordan Babineau. That's LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and Facebook Um, look I'd love to continue the conversation and engage with with the community of listeners Um, feel free to jump on and tell me about your greatest pivot uh, and and the challenges that you had to when navigating change and and Alex whether we realize it or not we're always in a pivot and you know the world uh, is in a pivot currently right Um, our country is in a pivot organizations need to pivot They need to change their hiring practices. Uh, Our country, uh, and having dealing with as much unrest and social and political unrest over the last year uh, is in a pivot. And even personally, in our own lives, we're all forced to pivot, both personally and professionally. And certainly the pandemic has caused us to do so. And so there's just there's just you know suggestions and tips that I think would help people. Um, you know, take the good, I say, you know, you can eat it like a, like a, a bone of chicken or, or a piece of meat, right? I mean, you eat the meat and, and throw away the bone, right? So, uh, take what you want to consume, use it for your own knowledge and good, uh, and hopefully, um, it adds value to you. So I'm super excited to share, uh, the story and my own personal journey, uh, and Alex, here I am in my most vulnerable way, uh, you know, exposing myself and sharing a lot of things, uh, about, you know, about me personally, uh, that I've held on for so long and that I've unmasked. So for me, uh, the book was also a way of releasing and letting go to some of those emotional setbacks and things that we talked about all throughout this podcast.
0: Mm, I love it, man. It's, it's, uh, it's refreshing to, to, you know, to hear, to hear you and, understanding like man not everything is peaches and cream even if you happen to to do a, or have a dream job there's a lot of things that come along with that if there's certain issues in your character that you're just not ready for you know because making it to you know to the NFL or or anything that's that's elevated there's certain expectations that come with that and mm-hmm. um you know a lot of it you know I've learned is not just about you changing yeah you might change a little bit but also the people around you right so I, I know I might have just opened yeah. up a whole nother can so but uh I'm gonna leave it at that
1: yeah. man <laughs> you did you did Alice but'm I'm I'm I'll let it breathe man because that's okay good. you know you know I, I think in order for us to want more we have to be more and I think that's essentially what you're saying right I mean is that like people want to lead, they want to own it. They want to own their own company. They want to they want to run something. They want to lead a strong team. They want to provide greater impact, but never really address the self and its and the own personal growth that it needs to happen. The new habits that need to change within, the new conversations that need to happen, and the people that needs to help make this, you know, collective, uh, dream accomplishment desire passion happen. Is that we can't achieve great things, you know, by doing the same the same things. I'll, I'll sh- share this uh, this this quote with Einstein. He says, "You cannot solve a problem with the same thinking that created it." Right, and so, um, you know, essentially, something has to change. And and more so when we want things to change within our own lives, is that it's us that that where that change begins. So, again, Alex, thanks, man. I, you know, I appreciate dropping it. Dropping nuggets, this you dropping nuggets. <laughs> it's good stuff for me, man. It's good stuff. I, I love talking about change, uh, you know, and overcoming adversity, uh, building grit, um, you know, finding that adversity quotient to, to, to build that muscle. Because I, 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 I talk about uh, um, adversity as and building grit as a muscle, right? Just, just as we would if we want to increase or flex our bicep, right? We just pump out a bunch of curls. And we can't just do curls one time. We got to continue to do curls and put that muscle under stress. And so when we're growing as people, is that, yes, we have to be in stressful situations. But I think we've all, I think the one thing that we don't really give ourselves credit for is that we've all overcome a lot of things in our own personal lives, right? And so what that that little element of greatness is already instilled in us, it's in us. It's just tapping into it more. Mm, I'm going to leave it right there. That's it. That's it. I'm done.
0: done. I'll press mute. Drop the mic. (laughs) Hey, man, Jordan, hey, greatly appreciate you. Um, Like I said, we got to have you on again, my man.
1: Alex, man, thanks, man. Hey, take care. And uh, soon we'll be able to meet in person uh, and get back to this new sense of of, of normalcy post-COVID. But uh, uh, you and the family stay healthy. Uh, Send my love to you and everyone down in Oregon. Thanks
0: for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement, you can get it on Amazon and the uh, paper, paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to, to transition, what, whether you were an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever, if you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down, and I lay down the foundation of who you want to be, I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence, and you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others, and how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really break down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, Recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures. Creating relationship roadmaps. Using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times. But how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you? Okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.